grab your Bibles, your Bible on your phone, open up to Genesis. Well, I've been so grateful for this time in this series, Lucky in Love. For those of you who are new, we've been in this series called Lucky in Love, where we're looking at relationships and marriage and singleness and dating and all kinds of relationships with a family and mother-daughter and just, I mean, we're all, we all have relationships. Raise your hand if you're if you have any relationships in your life, not just romantic, but yeah, we're, we're all relating to somebody. And for most of us, there probably are hard, difficult relationships that we're in, trying to navigate through, trying to figure out how do we have hard conversations and deal with conflict and the struggle is real, right? It's real. And so I've been so thankful for this series as we specifically look at relationships. And um, last week, my husband taught, um, actually these past couple weeks, he's been teaching through Genesis. This series is based on Genesis 24 through 25, and we've been looking at the relationship of Isaac and Rebecca. And it's been so beautiful to, yes, learn from a a marriage, but also to learn just relationally and what God's heart is for us in relationships. And kind of a, a theme of this series as well has been Proverbs 4.23, where it says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. It all starts in the heart. All of our issues our heart issues. And so if we can guard our heart, if we can ask God to fill our heart, if we can take care of the matters of our own heart, it's going to lead to everything, everything we do, every relationship we're in. And so um, I'm just so thankful for my husband for for how he preaches the word. I wish you could just sometimes get a glimpse into uh, how hard he works to bring the message, to bring the word every week. Um, But I love how he's been in this series laying a foundation. So I just get to like, he like rolls out the red carpet and here I am, I can just walk down the red carpet and here I am, we know all the things that we've learned these past couple weeks. He's set the stage, he's laid out the foundation for me. If you've missed those messages, Please listen to those this week. But I don't know about you, this whole idea of um, relationships can bring heartache. It can just kind of bring that like, oh, yeah. For a lot of us, it brings joy. But today we're going to look at the marriage All of this has been leading up to the marriage of Isaac and Rebecca. And so we're going to look at verses 57 through 67 today in in chapter 24. But I just wanted to share a little story with you. Levi and I were close to becoming brother and sister-in-law. I know, right? Intriguing. So I was dating a guy, and he was dating a girl, and they happened to be brother and sister. But we didn't, it wasn't at the same time, so, and they were, 
at college and I was at home. And so it's very strange and it's very funny when we look back and just think like, man, how close we were to being family, but not the family that we are today. Um, But what I love so much is that whether we get it wrong, whether we get it right, God is behind the scenes and God is knitting our hearts together and God is leading and God is moving when we can't see it. And um, I, I just picture like, I pick, welcome to my brain for a second, but I picture like a dollhouse and like Levi and I were all split up in different rooms and kind of figuring out our own love life. And then God's like looking and like, oh, oh, okay, you need to move here. You need to move to all the way to Albuquerque, New Mexico. And he literally like intervenes and God's just so faithful and he's at work and we don't need to fret. We don't need to worry. We don't need to stress. God is working in our love life. He's working in our relationship life. He's, if we let him, if we look up, he will lead us. And that's what I want to talk about today is looking up. And I've called this message, Look Up Child. And we're going to see what it means to lift our eyes to God in the midst of the relationships that we are in. What it looks like to not get so consumed with the heartache and the struggles and the everything, but to look up and to see God and to let him lead and to trust him. Let's dive in, Genesis 24, starting in 57. So they said, we will call the young woman and ask her personally. Then they called Rebecca and said to her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. So they sent away Rebecca, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. And they blessed Rebecca and said to her, our sister, May you become the mother of thousands of ten thousands, and may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. Then Rebekah and her maids arose, and they rode on the camels and followed the man. So the servant took Rebekah and departed. Now Isaac came from the way of Be'er Leheroi, for he dwelt in the south. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening, and he lifted his eyes and looked, and there the camels were coming. Then Rebekah lifted her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from her camel, for she had said to the servant, who is this man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, it is my master. So she took a veil and covered herself, and the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent, and he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Last week, my husband preached a message called Handle with Care. And this idea that the relationships that we have, we're meant to handle them with care. And at the end, he said another phrase that goes on a fragile box that also says Handle with Care also can say this side up. And I love that because it's a perfect segue into this message where we're going to learn about what it looks like to live this side up, to live our lives looking up and seeking wisdom and seeking 
direction and seeking strength from God. But I love this because this is Rebecca's decision. So if you missed last week, go back and read. But basically, long time ago, Abraham received a message from God. And he was like, hey, you're going to be the father of many nations. But Abraham had no kids. And Abraham and his wife were old, really old. But then they even got older. But then they still didn't have kids. And then the Bible said that they were like as good as dead. And then Sarah got pregnant with Isaac. And so isn't that just hilarious in how God moves? It's just the impossible. God loves to work with the impossible. But so here we are, and Abraham sends his servant to Abraham's hometown and is like, hey, I want you to find a wife for my son Isaac. And... um, He goes, and this is the point here where we're picking up, where they're asking this young woman, Rebecca, will you go with this man to go marry a man you do not know and go to a place that you've never been? And Rebecca says, I will go. She said yes to God, and it was a decision that she made to follow God into the unknown. And that's what God is calling us to. God is calling us to look to him, to make the decision to follow Jesus every day, walk with him, to live for him, to walk with him into the wild and into the unknown. I know, all you, all you people with kids, Elsa, into the unknown. <laughs> I know, Okay. Before we moved to Montana, um, we had three people in our life specifically say, if you go to Montana to plant a church, we're going to go with you. Now, we had been to Montana twice, and we still were not entirely sure if we were supposed to move to Montana. But we had a a tiny crew of people who had never been to Montana and who said, oh, if you go, we will go. And that kind of faith is so inspiring to me and so striking to me because Kevin and Elena Guido and Eric Melzer were the three who said, we'll go. And yeah, we've never been to Montana. We've never lived in a place where it's insanely cold in the winter, but we will go. And they're still here today serving God, loving God. And I'm so grateful for them and their faith. But that's kind of like Rebecca here because God called Abraham and Isaac to this life of faith. And here's this woman who's never met them, but she's following in that way of faith and following and, and doing what God's calling her to do in the crazy and the wild and into the unknown. And, um, and now Kevin and Elena lead our Jackson Hole location, and Kevin is our online pastor, and Eric is a leader in this house, and so strong and so gracious, and he met his wife here, Gayla, and so um, God is good, and and then it's been amazing, too, to see so many different people move here from all over the world to be a part of Fresh Life? 
That is so crazy. But when God moves, he moves. And when God leads, he leads. And there's no fighting it. There's no contending it. And it's beautiful. And what a joy to get to be a part of it. But I love that Rebecca made this decision. It's like she drew a line in the sand and said, I will go. She made the decision, I will go. What could it look like for us if we made the decision to draw a line in the sand, to decide to handle our relationships with care, to choose to make the decision to look up, to lift our eyes, taking our cues from our king in everything that we do in our relationships? What could that look like? We could purpose in our heart to approach every relationship in our lives with resolve, like we learned last week. To resolve to lift our eyes to our maker who created us for relationship. So we're going to have five, I believe, we'll see how things go, but five uh, resolves where we're drawing in the line in the sand saying, I will lift my eyes in this particular thing. The first relationship I see is between Rebecca and her family. And like my husband mentioned last week, it seems like Rebecca's dad was no longer living, so her brother was her covering and who was taking care of her. But it says that he and her mother sent Rebecca away. So this first one, this first resolve, if you're taking notes, I will lift my eyes in parenting. I will lift my eyes in parenting. Now, we didn't pick our parents, and for some of us, that's hard. For some of us, that's good. Um, and also, we didn't pick our kids. Those who were born to us, we don't get a choice in that. It's not like you go into a pet store and you get to choose, oh, this one looks really nice. This one has nice eyes. This one um, looks cuddly. And this one seems like not as strong-willed as the others. <laughs> um, but it doesn't work like that. The, the children who are given to us by birth through adoption, I mean, even sometimes we choose through adoption, but still God has given us those children. Or in fostering, um, God has given us these little hearts, these little children, in our lives for a reason and for a purpose. And I believe that even in this series, as we've really looked at the theme of how important it is to raise up a generation, to teach a generation to love Jesus and to follow Jesus. I love that this has really been a theme for us, how important it is to, to bring this little generation along and to parent them and to love them and to teach them. <clears throat> This just in, parenting is hard. I don't know about you. What, if you have, don't have kids, that's great. If you do have kids, you just know that it's hard. Um, your kids will say something, like a word, and you're like, what? How do you know that word? And then later on, it's like, you say it, and you're like, oh, that's how you know that word. Um, the other day, Lennox was watching me, I was putting my hair up in a messy bun, and he was just staring at me, and he was like, Mom, your hair looks horrible when you put it up like a big ball on your head. <laughs> and I was like, okay, first of all, son, you have a lot of girls in your life, so you need to get used to the messy bun. Second of all, where did you hear that word horrible? Not that that's a horrible word, but 
horrible. I'm like, horrible? You're three. And the next day, I was explaining something to Levi, and I was saying something. I was like, yeah, it was so horrible. And then I realized, and I looked at Lennox, and he was looking up at me, and I'm like, well, that's how he learned that word. Some of us, it's worse words, whatever. Um, But it's our job to lead the little ones in our life. It's our job to lead our kids in truth. Proverbs 22.6 says, point your kids in the right direction. And when they're old, they won't be lost. So we're meant to point our kids in the right direction, letting them make their decisions, make their mistakes, especially as they're older, but pointing them in the right direction, letting God do what he can through them. But let's resolve, let's draw that line in the sand to teach our kids the best that we can. And I know when it comes to teaching the Bible that it's daunting. And sometimes it's easy just to be like, well, the kids are going to learn in church. We'll just leave it at that. That's great. I don't even know all the Bible. How am I supposed to teach the Bible? But I think what it comes down to is teaching a hunger for God, a hunger for his word, a thirst for more of him, showing them that, man, we depend on God in everything. Something that has been super sweet, even just in these past couple weeks, is there have been things, Clover's here with me, and um, there have been things that have come up, and we'll just pray, and she's just right there, so we'll just pray about it, and then we've actually together seen God answer prayer, and so how special it is to bring your kids along in the journey, and to say, hey, this is this is something that's hard, and maybe not divulging all the information of what's going on, but this is a hard thing. Let's pray and let's see what God does. Those are little moments, and I think that that's something that's key for us as parents is taking those little moments, and I am by no means an expert. I was just talking to Liz about parenting earlier, and I'm very much, I don't know. Most of the time, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I don't have no idea what to tell you because I don't know, but if we could just take those little moments and take these little questions that they ask and take a moment and a- answer their question and pray with them and, and teach them. And teaching God's word isn't as hard as it seems. You take a, a simple verse to start with John 3.16 and see what happens as you just start memorizing verses with your kids. It's so beautiful. But it also comes down to how we live our own lives. And this is convicting a thousand percent to my own heart. But how am I when trouble comes? How am I when things arise and I'm put on the spot of how am I going to arise in this difficult situation? Am I reacting in a bad way? Am I reacting in frustration. I'm, our kids, and it's constant, but they're looking at us. They're looking at our example. Yes, they're going to hear us say a Bible verse. Or they're going to hear us say something nice, but are they seeing how we live and how we love and how we lead and how we fail and how we mis- make mistakes? Are we showing our kids what it looks like to walk with God? in our imperfections, in, our, in the difficulties. It's not going to be perfect, but we can bring our kids alongside with us, little and older. The goal of every parent is to send our children away. Our goal is to send them away in some way, whether it's to uh, Fresh Life Leadership College or the internship or 
to their marriage, to their own apartment, to their own life. The goal isn't just always stay in my house, although that's what we want. We even say to our kids, like, maybe you'll just stay in Montana. But the goal is that we're looking at the 20 minutes we have with them in this moment, but we're also the ten- having that tension of setting them up for the next 20 years and beyond. So it's that 20 minutes, 20 years. How, what does that even look like? How is that? But the goal is that we're sending our kids off and hopefully preparing them. And hopefully, ultimately, not hopefully, but ultimately heaven. Our, our goal is to train them in the Lord so that they can make their own decision about following Christ and that we'll meet up in heaven. But the blessing that her family spoke over her is in verse 16. It says, Our sister, may you become the mother of thousands, of ten thousands, and may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. In the message, it's translated, You're our sister. Live bountifully, and your children triumphantly. And I don't know if this was something that they spoke over every child, that, hey, just have a lot of babies. Be fruitful, multiply. Be fruitful, multiply. But how prophetic this was over Rebecca, who was marrying the son of the father of many nations, and they're speaking that life over her. And so as we send our kids to school, as we send our kids to their Zoom class, as let's resolve to bless them. Let's resolve to speak life over them. Hey, you're going to do great today. Hey, God loves you. You were born for this day and I'm praying for you, and I love you, and you're beautiful, and you're handsome, sending them off with these words that are going to fill them and build them up to be able to do what God's called them to do. As we send our kids to movement conference or Fresh Life um, internship, let's resolve to bless them. Obviously, they're not. They, they go off to college in Georgia or whatever, but wherever they go, let's resolve to bless them. Proverbs 20, verse 7 says, The godly walk with integrity. Blessed are their children who follow after them. The message says, God loyal people living honest lives make it much easier for their children. So let's resolve to live the lives that we're called to live, to deal with the issues in our own hearts so that we can bring our kids along and make it as easy as possible for them to see Jesus in us, to see Jesus for themselves, and to walk with him. But how do we lift our eyes when it, beco- when it comes to parenting? Because it's hard. It, this past week was a very hard week in parenting for me. And I think we all, in different seasons, whether they're in diapers, whether they're um, in elementary school, we have one in high school, um, as they grow up and on, are, are on their own. Parenting just overall, it's like, how do I parent an adult child? I do not know. I do not know, but I, I'm sure it's hard. And what about those hard days? What about when you feel like all you have done is be a referee all day? Or a chauffeur? Or a chef? Or a disciplinarian? Well, I would just say... Look at those things that you're like, oh, I've just been a referee. And maybe look at it differently. And look at that role differently. Take a second. I think sometimes for me, I literally have to step outside and take a holy smokes break. Where I'm not smoking, but I'm like, holy spirit, 
if you don't intervene here, I'm going to hurt somebody, and this is going to be very ugly. Lord, help me. And I think that that's the whole goal of this life in Christ is that we're meant to, we're supposed to call on God for everything. Take a break. Take a second. Lock yourself in the bathroom and just, God, I take a deep breath, and I need your wisdom. I need your strength. I need, I need your help. Ask God for wisdom. James 1 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. God's not going to blame you for being so weak that you're asking him for wisdom. He wants to give you wisdom. And if you lead in Fresh Life Kids, if you lead in Fresh Life Students, you have a beautiful opportunity and a microphone to speak into these kids' lives and to speak love and to speak life, an opportunity to learn from them too. Celebrate your time of parenting and also bring that crew around you, the, the people in your life who are older and have gone through it, ask them. You are not in this alone. I am not in this alone. We need each other's help. If we have, if there are some of us who have made it through the teenage years, made it through the baby stage, uh, just tell people that it's going to be okay and give them some tips because we need your help. Celebrate the season that you're in. Resolve number two, I will lift my eyes in my singleness. I will lift my eyes in my singleness. When I see Rebecca and those three words she said, I will go, I wonder what was Rebecca's life like before this beautiful spotlight moment where it's like, whoa, she's making this crazy decision, but what was her life like before this? Who was she in her singleness? Where was she to be at such a place to be ready to say yes? to say that she would go with a stranger to marry a man she had never met in a place she had never been. I just wonder what she had been praying. If she had been praying, God, send me a sign. <laughs> God, lead me in this next step of my life. God, I pray for a husband. God, I pray for you to, to lead me. I don't know what it was, but whatever it was, she was ready. She was ready to say, yeah. I'll go. I'll follow God. But she wasn't waiting around. She was waiting on God, but she wasn't waiting around. She was working. And I think this is so important. And all the single people in our church, I just want to remind you that you are not half a person right now. You're not a half person zombie, like walking around waiting for the other person to come and complete you. You are a whole person fully known, fully loved by God. And he has a plan and a purpose for you right now in your singleness. And when God in his perfect timing decides that he has the person for you, he will make it clear and you won't need to try to figure it out and and try to make things happen, he will make it clear. And as you're planted in the house, that's the best place to find someone and to allow God to bring you someone because you're serving and you're giving. And you're, like Levi was saying last week, if 
you, you see someone who you're, you're attracted to and they're serving in kids, you're seeing who they are with kids. You're seeing who they are greeting strangers. You're seeing who they are with people. This is the best place to be to meet someone. But when God does it, you'll lift your eyes and you will just be like, whoa, God, you're so good. I could never have done that the way you did. And I love that Rebecca was the answer to prayer. She was the answer to this, the prophecy over Abraham. God spoke over him, you are the father of many nations, and this will come out of you. Um, and she's the answer that she is the wife for Abraham's son. And in that, I just want to encourage you parents to pray for your kids' future spouses Pray for them. Pray for their future friendships. I think it's so important for us to, to pray over their relationships, to pray for the people that God would bring into their life, that they would be people who love Jesus, that they would be other kids who can um, grow with and, and love your kids. It's so important for us to pray for our kids' friendships and over their current ones. And let God weed out the ones that are not good. But Fresh Life students and college students and all the single people, I want to encourage you to live your life honoring God, looking to him, and thus being the answer to your future spouse's parents' prayers. Live that life now. Live your life that God has called you to live and then he will make it clear when it's time for you to lift your eyes and see that person. And then we see Isaac on his own. In this passage, it says that he had just come back from Be'er Lahai Roy, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, but we find him meditating in the field. And that's where he is when Rebecca enters the scene. And this is so powerful, just the fact that he was with Jesus, meditating and praying when his wife showed up. Matthew Henry said, Meditation and prayer ought to be both our business and our delight. Our walks in the fields are truly pleasant when we apply ourselves to meditation and prayer. We there have a free and open prospect of the heavens above us and the earth around us and the riches of both, by the view of which we should be led to contemplate the maker and owner of it all. And Charles Spurgeon said, if we meditated more, we should be far more gracious than we are. I know, that's, that was a hurdy one to me. But let time with Jesus shape you and change you. Take a minute, don't rush through it. Ask God, Lord, have your way in this time. Speak to me. I need you. I, I need you before I face this day. I can't handle the parenting. I can't handle my work. I can't handle my school. I can't handle this relationship without you first being here with me. Single people and young people, what does it mean to lift your eyes to God in singleness? Well, I would say don't try to do it on your own. I know a lot of young people who are just trying to muster it out and figure it out, and I can trail, blaze my own trail and figure out my own life, but that's not what the Bible says. Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 8 says, My son, 
Do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your straight paths. Make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to, to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Guard your heart. Let his love lead you in your singleness. In all your ways. In all your ways. So that's all of them. In your schooling, in your dating, in your sexuality, in your friendships, your work, your hobbies. Acknowledge him and he will lead you. He wants to lead you. He wants to lead you. And keep a good crew in your corner. Fresh life groups. People in your life who you can call. People in your life who you can ask the hard questions. People in your life who you can bring along with you into your pain, into your struggle, into your joys, into your life. I love thinking about Rebecca's maids. Because they didn't say, I will go. But they did when they said, I will follow Rebecca. And they got to experience amazing things because they followed Rebecca and they were in her corner. Or Abraham's servants crew. They got to see amazing things because they were there. Let people be there for you. Invite people into your life. Ask them, hey, can you pray for me about this? Ask them, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about this. What do you think? Invite people in. And the third resolve is, I will lift my eyes in my marriage. I will lift my eyes in my marriage. Verse 63 says, And Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening, and he lifted his eyes and looked, and there the camels were coming. Then Rebekah lifted her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from her camel, for she had said to the servant, Who is this man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. So she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. This was Rebecca and Isaac's engagement. And it was very short. But speaking of engagement, this is very random, but I found this Bible when I was studying this week, and it was a Bible that Levi gave me 15 days after Lenya was born. And as I took it out, like all these things fell out. And yes, I am that person that like stuffs things in my Bible so that when I'm like fumbling around, like stuff's flying everywhere. But I found this in this Bible, and I don't know why or how, but um, just talking about engagement, this is a picture. This is actually me and Levi's um, wedding invitation. And so there's a picture of it for you. That's us being engaged. I thought you might want to see that. But yeah, this is our invitation. I think Elena Guido is the only one um, who was actually at our wedding I don't think Kevin was even invited, but we didn't really know him, so sorry. Um, and then the second thing, one of the second things that came out was uh, our first ever Christmas card. I know, right? 
our tiny glasses. Levi has earrings. Um, I thought you'd just like that. So anyways, all that to say, that was us engaged and in our first year of being married. But, um, but I love this, their engagement. This is their engagement, short and sweet. And Isaac and Rebecca both lifted their eyes. And it was like it happened at the same time. Like God was kind of like, hey, look up, look and see. And I just imagine it kind of being slow-mo and like Rebecca, her long eyelashes look over and Isaac is in the field and he looks up and it's like a, I can see your halo, halo, halo. I can see your halo, halo, halo. <laughs> but she asks the servant who it is. And he says, that's Isaac. That's my master. And then she covers herself with a veil. And I love this. And veils are different in different cultures, but I just love the mystery. I love the, the anticipation. I love that she sees him and then covers herself until that night. And how beautiful that she was a gift to Isaac, but also Isaac was a gift to her, and she wanted to cover herself. Now, looking back in these uh, chapters and previously, the Abraham servant was seemingly a very talkative fellow, even the night... Uh, that he was hanging out with Rebecca's family. Like, they hung out all night. They were eating and drinking and talking and laughing. And multiple times, he's actually retelling the story of what happened. And so I can only imagine that when, it, when this one verse says, the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Like, okay, if the servant really told Isaac all the things that he had done, this would have taken hours, which is lucky for Rebecca because after being on a camel for 450 miles and she probably literally had dust like in her teeth and needed multiple baths before putting her wedding dress on. But luckily the servant told Isaac everything that happened and that gave time for Rebecca and her maids to, okay, Let's get ready for your wedding night. Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent, and he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. This is so beautiful and so tender. It had been three years, about three years since Sarah had died, and now he takes Rebekah into his tent which was probably painful for him, but it says that he was comforted in marriage after his mother's death. Marriage is meant to be a place of comfort and safety. That's what it's meant to be. I know that sometimes it doesn't feel that way, and sometimes it isn't, but that's what it's meant to be. And yes, this is beautiful, but I can only imagine also very awkward. Two strangers, two strangers, they're strangers. They'd never met each other before. And here they come into the tent. I am going to talk about sex for a second. So if, if you need kids to run out or something, it's going to be fine. But um, sex is meant to be a gift. Sex is meant to be a gift. Um, it's so interesting to me because Levi and I have talked about it where sex is meant to be the cherry on top of the Sunday. You never build a Sunday 
with ice cream and all the things on top of a cherry. You build it on friendship. You build it on honor. You build it on love and strength and commitment. And sex is the cherry on top. And I think so often in this day, I mean, song after song after song is about sex in not good ways. I was in a spin class and this song came on. I'm like spinning, trying to like ride to the beat. And I'm like, oh my gosh, the song is horrible. But it's like, this is what a lot of our young people are listening to. And this is what's getting ingrained in our brains that, oh, this is what sex is. It's, it's you take and you don't give. But sex is most, is most enjoyed and, sa- and satisfying between husband and wife. Studies have shown that couples in their 60s experience greater satisfaction and pleasure and joy in sex. So that's awesome. <laughs> but sex is clunky and awkward and funny and but it's beautiful and it's amazing and it gets better with time. So there's, I mean, even the fact that Isaac and Rebecca, that was their first time like together, they have sex, but that was the beginning of a whole life of loving each other and preferring one another and honoring one another and, and their friendship and their relationship. And it's difficult because we bring a lot of baggage into our marriage, a lot of baggage into our marriage bed. Whether or not we saved ourselves for, to have sex before we were married or not, but it's all matters of the heart. Like I said earlier, guard your heart above all else because it determines the course of your life. So all these things, if you're struggling in this area in your marriage, it's a heart thing. And so counseling is so helpful, but guard your heart prefer your spouse, deal with the issues of the heart, and experience freedom and strength in your marriage. And my husband's book, Swipe Right, speaks of this and is so good. So you should read it if you haven't. You should read it if you have. Um, In singleness, honor your future spouse, honor yourself by keeping your sexuality and your intimacy for them. Like Levi said last week, treating others like they're someone else's spouse. If they're, if they're not yours, if they're, you're not married to them, they're not yours and they're someone else's spouse. So treating each other with honor, treating each other like brother and sister in Christ. Young people, unmarried people, just wait. There's more for you. Hold out for honor. God's best for you is that you would save the gift of sex for your spouse. And like Levi so beautifully said last week, If that's not your story, or if you've already messed up in this way, there's no shame on you. There's no guilt on you. There's only God's grace. And today is a new day. And it's never too late to start making the right decision. And today is that day. For those of you struggling in your marriage today, God sees you. And he's with you and he loves you. Fourth, I will lift my eyes like a child. I will lift my eyes like a child. 
as I was learning about all this lifting eyes situation, I realized that all kids have to look up to their parents. Like, they don't have a choice. Like, when you're talking to them, it's like, okay, I'm looking up, I'm looking up. And I believe that that is what God's calling us to, to do, to have that posture of a child looking up to God, looking to him, having that childlike faith. In Matthew 18, it says, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. We actually have to turn and become like a child to enter the kingdom of heaven, to literally depend on him for everything, to come to him with the little things, to come to him with the big things. I love this quote by Neil deGrasse Tyson. He said, anytime I exit a building, I look up. Even if there are clouds, I can tell you that kids, kids will look up when they come out and adults just stop. We've stopped catching snowflakes in our mouth. We stopped jumping into puddles. And I, I don't want to ever lose that. In life and in the universe, it's always best to keep looking up. We need to have this childlike posture, this childlike approach to life and to our relationships. Some of the sweetest relationships, um, marriages that I see are ones where they're, they just banter, they love each other, they joke, they have fun, they laugh. I want to be more like that. Number five, I will lift my eyes to see Jesus and to see him in others. When you look for Jesus, you'll find him and he wants to be found by you. He longs to have a relationship with you. We see Jesus all over this, pas this passage of scripture. And it's been said that wherever you cut the Bible, it bleeds, pointing to the blood of Jesus. But the whole Bible points to Jesus. Jeremiah says, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I believe with a childlike faith that we're meant to develop an eye for Jesus. Develop an eye for Jesus in the situation. Develop an eye for Jesus in others. And if they're not believers, they're still made in the image of God, looking for Jesus in others in the difficulties. How do we look to Jesus? Have the same attitude in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus, Philippians 2, 5. Look to him as your example in selfless humility. Look to him. I love that in worship, some of us, when we're raising our hands, it's like we're saying, God, like a kid reaching up to their dad, I need you to hold me. Or like our kids would always say, hold you, hold you, hold you, because they wanted you to say, you want me to hold you? And but it's us surrendering to God. It's us saying, I give you my pain. I surrender. I can't do anything on my own strength. I need you, God. I give you my plans. I give you my expectations. I give my love life to you. I surrender to you. Colossians 3 says, since you have been raised to new life in Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Lift your eyes. For Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Surrender to God and see him moving all around you. If you're frustrated in your season, find ways to celebrate it. Look for the joy. 
Try seasoning your season with an eternal perspective and why God might have you right where he has you. In closing, I love how it says that Isaac was returning from Beher Leheroi. Later on, after Abraham's death, he actually goes and lives there. But looking back to Genesis 16, this is significant because Hagar, who was Abraham's concubine, basically some messiness happened when they tried dealing with stuff in their own strength. And um, so they sent Hagar away with, their, with Abraham's son Ishmael to this place, but it wasn't named Be'er Lahairoi yet. But God showed up for Hagar. She was in a desperate situation. She thought her son was dying. She thought she was going to die. She was at rock bottom. But God showed up for her. And she named the spot Be'er Lahairoi, which means the one who lives and sees me. The God who sees me. Now, lifting our eyes to the Lord is essential in, in this life of faith that we're called to live. To look to him, to ask him for strength, to see from his perspective. But even more important is that when you look up, the God who lives and the God who sees is looking back at you with kind eyes, with love. He sees you in your struggle. He sees you in your struggle with sin. And he's not mad at you. He's mad about you. He loves you. He sees you in your marriage and where you're hurting and where you feel alone and where you don't see any hope. But he sees you. The one who lives sees you. He sees you as a single parent working so hard, working hard to teach your kids and love your kids. He sees you. And he loves your kids more than you do. Rest in him. Rest in his love for you. Rest in his love for your kids. Look up, child. That's what he's saying to you. He's saying, don't be so busy trying to figure it out, trying to muster it out, trying to figure things out on your own. Look up. He sees you and he longs for, uh, he longs for you more than you long for him. And he delights in you. Jesus came down. And I love that some adults, when they come around a child, they'll kneel down. And they won't look at them and speak at them, but they'll kneel down and see them at eye level and give them a hug and meet their gaze. And that's what Jesus did for us. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, whoever looks to him, will not perish but have everlasting life. He reached down from heaven and rescued me, Psalm 18 says. Father, we thank you for your love. 
We thank you for your faithfulness. We feel so lucky in your love. But Lord, there's also so much heartache that can come with relationships and in marriage and mother-daughter and there's, it's just complicated. And so I just pray for anyone who can hear my voice, who's struggling in relationships of any kind, who is hurting, who's feeling hopeless, who's feeling like, I don't even see any way through this. I just pray for those right now. I pray, God, that you would surround them with your love, that as they look up to you, that they would see you looking back at them with love and telling them, I've got this, I've got you. Cast your cares on me, he says, because he cares for you. Pray that you'd strengthen our hearts. Pray for a confidence that comes with looking up, lifting up our chin, trusting you with all of our heart and not leaning on our own understanding. And I pray for anyone who doesn't have yet this relationship with you, who hasn't called on God for salvation, who hasn't received Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. And if that's you today, I want to lead you in a prayer where you're literally just saying, God, I believe. I need you. I want you to lead me. I don't want to strive anymore. I don't want to try to work things out on my own anymore. I need you to lead me, and I need you to guide me, and I need you to save me. And so if that's you, you can just pray this prayer. You can say, dear God, I need you. I'm a sinner, far from you. But you sent Jesus to reach down, to rescue me, to save me. And so I trust you, and I look to you. In Jesus' name. All right, hey, so I'm on, I'm on backstage, and, and look, who just, look who just got off stage. Jenny, you just did such a good job preaching. Oh, thank I'm so you. proud of you. Thank you I'm much. angry a little bit that you showed that photo of my hair. Uh, but anyhow, I just wanted to quickly give say, the people what they want. don't give them what they want. <laughs> give them what they need. Oh. What they need is the word, and that's what you deliver, baby. You, get, you had the sauce on it and everything. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, just wanted to quickly pop on here as we're decompressing uh, from a great word and uh, just tell you that we are so thankful you're a part of our ministry. Yeah. Uh, whether you're one of our locations or you log on every week or listen on the podcast, uh, we are so grateful that you would entrust us uh, with the honor of preaching God's word to you. Yeah. The series is gonna continue. We have some great stuff in store, so don't miss next week. But I just wanted to real quickly tell you that uh, you should pray about uh, joining our Fresh Life Leadership College. Pursue a degree, be a part of all that God's doing here. What better uh, place than to study than in the midst of a, of a church? It's like a teaching hospital. It's like Ooh. you learn and you get to do. You learn and you get to do. That's awesome. Pursue a degree, whether it's gonna be for long-term serving God in the marketplace or in ministry in the church and do so right here at Fresh Life. We're taking applications now, freshlife.church slash college. I gotta get this preacher woman 
into some food, and uh, and then we'll see if we can't. And then we see if we can't apply that uh, that message about how great sex is. Anyhow, God bless you guys.